Hey guys, welcome to the Lightmaker Podcast. This is a carefully curated collection of interviews designed to ignite your inner light and to help you design a life that lights you up. And today I am so excited to introduce you to my personal relationship guru, Mark Groves. Um, I'm Cassandra Bozak, by the way, your host. Thanks for tuning in again. Mark, why don't, welcome. Why don't you Thank give you. the peeps a little intro to what you do? Uh, well, relation. What did you call me? Your relationship. <laughs> my my personal relationship grew. <laughs> <laughs> Setting a high expectation. Um, <laughs> what do I do? You know, I when I offic- like when I first started, I used to say that I was working in like the areas. I guess like a relationship coach. I really just started as writing on relationships, and um, as things have shifted, though, and uh, you know, as when you start, it's often different than later. Um, I really found that I just have such a keen interest in human connection in like not just how we connect to other people, but how, you know, it's so important that we connect to ourselves in order to do that. Like in order to understand who we are and why we do what we do it's so that we can then better connect to the world and to other people. Um, so I think, yeah, what do I do? It's such a broad, <laughs> I do everything. I just do everything. No, I, uh, I feel like I help people connect better with themselves so then they can connect better with others. So when I work with people, it's really on identifying what they truly want and how does that show up in a relationship. And if they're in a relationship, how do both people meet each other from such a genuine place? Um, yeah, that's, that sounded, that felt good. Yeah, okay. that felt good. He's a, a connection expert. No, <laughs> human connection specialist. That's what we'll go. I like with. that. I like that human connection specialist. That's that's nice. So, but one of the reasons why I asked you to be on the podcast, Mark, is because you weren't always a human human connection specialist, right? Uh, <laughs> once upon a time, you had a you had a, a somewhat. I hate to say regular job, right? But let's let's say you had a different job that wasn't um, quite so perhaps tailored to what was really exciting you at the time. Yeah, when I first graduated from university, I did my undergraduate degree in finance. So, which is, I mean, that is not very fun. Telling people you did your undergrad in finance is like handing them a sleeping pill. But that's <laughs> usually what causes. They're like, oh, what? Were you still talking? Uh, and I, I actually started in pharmaceutical sales. So I worked for 13 years, maybe 14 years in pharmaceutical sales. And the sort of pathway to this other career or this other choice, I guess purposeful living, I don't know what the term would be, um, was just through my own relationship misses. You know, it was really like I was really good in sales. I was really good as a salesperson, and I was good at communicating. But then yet in my own personal life, I wasn't showing up at the same level of ability, which you know, really tells you that I had the skill set. I just didn't really have maybe um, – I didn't really know how to be vulnerable at such a, like a much higher level or to really own or understand my own emotions. So you know, I think, I think a lot of people's purposeful work becomes the path to their own healing. And so for me, that's really what it was, is I started to want to research and understand relationships, and, and then that led to today. So what was that initial catalyst, or if there was a certain turning point in your life where you kind of, you're in your pharmaceutical sales job, and maybe something happened, or it, perhaps it was a sequence of a few things happening where you're kind of like, hmm, you know, maybe there's something else or maybe there, you know, or maybe it wasn't even initially. I know for myself, the initial inclination for me to get into like wellness and spirituality came from a place of personal need, primarily, and then eventually grew to a place where I was helping other people with it. Um, but where did that kind of shift happen for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for me, it started with. I mean, I can look back now in hindsight and be like, well, there was actually quite a few relationship misses, <laughs> and you were doing some some stupid shit back then. So, you know, <laughs> I, I can look back now, but there was definitely a moment, and that was, you know, when I was 27, I was engaged, and I was engaged to a phenomenal woman, but there was just something that just didn't feel right at the time, and 
it was trying to understand that, like, you know, it was trying to understand why didn't I want to be in this relationship? Like, was it just something that I'd grown apart from? Was it time to move forward? You know, it was, it was one of those typical situations, you know, where you're like dating someone from college and the next logical step is to get engaged. And, uh, it was in the journey to understanding that, that I sort of, you know, I want to say woke up is, is, I wasn't sleeping, but in a way I was. And, uh, I had a series of questions asked me. I, you know, I sought out advice on the internet. You know, went to forums trying to understand. Like, I was. I remember googling, "Is she the one?" You know, like trying to understand how do you decide? How do you know? You hear all these stories, um, and I was also, you know, at the time, really subscribing to what we're taught when we're growing up. You know, you're kind of taught you date someone, you marry them by around 25 or 30, and you have kids, and you stay together and in love for the rest of your life. And no one gets divorced, and nothing bad ever happens. But as I looked around, I was like, that's actually not happening very much. <laughs> no. Like, you know, the percentage of really thriving relationships that start in the mid-20s and you die at whatever, 95, fully in love, you know, maybe like 1% of all relationships. Which isn't, I, you know, I'm not saying that to be a pessimist. Just at the time, I was like, well, this isn't real. What I've been taught isn't real. So it was to understand that, like, what it really is the purpose of relationship um, for me. What do I want out of one? And so when I sought this advice, I had this lady ask me three questions. She said to me, um, if she left you tomorrow, would you be okay? And I was like, yeah, I would be. And then she was like, if you could imagine standing at whatever your altar is, can you imagine waiting for her to enter the church or whatever? And I was like, oh, no. Like, that kind of made me a little anxious. Yeah, I know, right? Great sign. And then <laughs> she said to me, could someone else love her better? And, and that one is what really hit me. That was sort of like a transformative moment because I all of a sudden shifted from how am I not able to, you know, what is going on with me that I can't pick this or I don't want this or trying to understand that to, wow, I'm not allowing someone to love her at the level. Like, it, all of a sudden it, seemed, it, it felt very selfish, you know, where I'm like, I'm so afraid to actually just own what I knew yeah. that um, I was now holding her back from experiencing great love and so yeah it was after that conversation I broke off my engagement I think that question is such an important question to ask in any relationship um, for me it meant to leave the relationship but for other people I think if your answer is that someone else can love them better it's to really look at why you know what can we do to show up at a higher level why are we not doing the best we can and so that was really the moment that I shifted. I actually bought the domain name, but never used it. I bought the domain name, Is She the One? Because I found there was no advice from it. So that was nine and a half years ago that I bought the domain, and it wasn't until about a year and a half ago that I actually started writing. So it's such a long period of development. But I feel like that's so important. I try to stress that in so many of these interviews because a lot of the people that I interview are, you know, you look at their social media today, you look at their blogs today, and you're like, oh, my God, like, they're killing it. They're doing awesome things. And I feel like a lot of people nowadays get so intimidated, unfortunately, by that because what always, like, appears like it happened overnight you know, for most of us, for almost everybody I've talked to, it was like, it was eight years, it was six years, you know, it was kind of this long journey of, of just like baby steps and taking that, you know, just following, like you said, like, you know, buying that domain name, just because you realize yeah. that like, I'm not ready to go into business tomorrow as a male relationships expert, but I know that there is a need for this. And if I'm someone that's searching for that, then I think that, you know, there is a giant need on the market for, you know, for that kind of relationship advice. Yeah, I definitely found that at the time, you know, you're exactly right. It was like I was learning so much about relationships because, you know, in order to really, because I got, my life got blown up. You know, I left this engagement. I thought I believed all these things that I realized were taught to me. And so in a way, it's kind of interesting. I felt like my development has almost been an unlearning. It's been like a stepping out and becoming who I was again at four, you know, and loving from that space. And 
Um, there's so many ways we can experience relationship in our life, and we're taught a couple. You know, we're not taught to learn our own or to go from our hearts of what we want in relationship. And it was seeing that I saw, like, just all these people around me who had no idea what the hell they were doing. None of us do. But being able to take all the science and research and being able to make it palatable to a regular person who doesn't want to sift through medical journal, you know, like who really wants to do that at the end of the day. But to me, that stuff is like gold. I love, I love it. And um, being able to just translate that information to people who are struggling is, is such a cool thing. Yeah, and I, I love just the way that you said that, like going into because I relate to it so much. And you're like, for some people reading those like journals and, and those like a little bit wordier articles perhaps mm-hmm. on relationships, you can clearly see that like lights you up, that excites you, where it wouldn't for a lot of people. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, this is just like his finance degree. He's so boring. I'm going to fall and, and I'm the same way. Like, I could like, you know, the way some people binge watch Orange is the New Black, I watch like, documentaries on Netflix about the food system and and like spirituality and like all this stuff where like I can never stop reading that and I'll read books that like you know other people would be like what you know and I think that's so important when you know I think a lot of my audience is on that path to figuring out what it is that designing that lifestyle that that really works for them and I think an important part of that is really asking yourself that question what, you know, what would I do without getting paid for? What naturally interests me? What could I stay up till 4 a.m. on, you know, a weeknight just, like, reading ferociously? Um, and that so much, I think, gives us the the clues to what it is we can if we're looking to create our, you know, a, a lifestyle around a business that we feel really passionate about. I think finding something, you know, finding something that really, like, ignites you like that is so important because there's so many other like we were just talking before this before this podcast about because mark knows me that i'm not the the most tech savvy person in the world and i had to <laughs> like are you kidding i should work at apple um but i had to put some some effort let's say into getting the whole setup figuring out how to to do this but and i would have never it would have been so much harder to do that if my heart wasn't so involved and like i wasn't really passionate and if you know doing these interviews wasn't so important to me if in general sharing the message wasn't so important to me so i think it's you know like for you with relationships um you know, maybe you can speak to this when times in the business, perhaps when once it got to be more of a business, or when you were converting over it to being more of a business, where that kind of love for the essence of what you were doing really helped you push through some, like, for lack of a better word, technological difficulties in <laughs> in some way. Yeah, I mean, even starting up a website, you know, or like learning how to use WordPress, you know, the background of most people's websites. Like, all that stuff, I remember just feeling so flustered when I, you know, you face the things that it takes to start a business or to start an idea or a purpose. Um, I was just helping a friend recently who was starting an Instagram account, and she was saying to me, like, I had, like, six likes on my first picture, and I, I'm, I can literally scroll back to the first post I've ever done and see that there was, like, five or six likes on my first post. You know, so I, I think it's... I think it's so similar, like wanting a great relationship or wanting a great job, whatever we want to do, it's, it's such similar behavior in that every dream or every desire really takes like a first step into believing. And, you know, we already have to sort of shatter belief systems that you have to have a career that looks like this. Like when I actually finally left my work, which I really did appreciate in the time that I needed it to get where I am, it, I look back and I'm like, man, why did I wait so long? You know, like, why did I wait so long to start to know that you can actually, like, make a job out of something that you love? Because, you know, I might be one person's messenger, and I have many messengers who teach me, and then there's always someone who needs to hear what you have to say. I think that's such a, like, an important part to understand that no one is the same. Like, we all say different stuff different ways, and some of it relates with some people, and with other people it doesn't relate. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think let's just talk a little bit about that experience when you were doing both, because I think I, I think that's I think I that's when I met you. Uh-huh. It was kind of towards the the very end of you kind of making that transition. But I think that's an important transition to talk about because it's not so. I say this all the time. I don't think it doesn't have to be so black and white. I, you know, was writing, I was, you know, in the conversation, so to speak, socially and, you know, on the internet way before I kind of took that leap to try to support myself on it. And, and I can totally relate to you looking back and being like, why didn't I leap sooner? (laughs) But in my experience, I actually, I cherish those days. I think there was something really beautiful about those days where... I didn't, I wasn't trying, you know, it really was just coming from my heart and I didn't care what came of it. (laughs) Like, I wanted to help people, but I didn't care actually, like, if it supported me yet. It was just something that I felt like a need to do. So how is it balancing working, working a job and pursuing your passion on the side? Yeah, it was definitely, um, I mean, like you, my passion didn't really take a large volume of my time I was able to do it in the evenings or on weekends and I you know that was something that I was really fortunate that my job also offered flexibility I remember being at this talk of person you know it was like a personal development conference that I was at kind of like a TED and one of the speakers said never quit your job to pursue a passion when that job ends up being your investor in your dream you know, and I loved that because I, that's why I never left my work till I just really had to. You know, there was just a point where you know, you know, it, like you were saying about your work. You know, for me, it was like there was just a point where staying hurt more than not. You know, and I I needed to leave um, because the work just wasn't aligning with me anymore, and and I wasn't able to contribute what I needed to to this other work. So I was sort of you know, it's hard to work with people pursuing dreams, desires, whatever it could be, relationship or, or, or work, and tell them to take leaps, and then here I am staying in a job that doesn't feel right anymore. So, you know, I knew it was like sort of the last piece of misalignment that needed to, to just perfectly shift at the end, which is great. I think you're right, though, those times of, it's nice when your work comes from a space where you don't need anything from it. And eventually that just ends up being the space you write from, I think, you know, and it's a nice space to be in. Yeah, no, I love that. And I do, I tell a lot of people that too, to think of it as an investor. And I know that that was the only thing that got me through probably like the last year that I had to work while pursuing what I really loved was just conscious, like, just every day being like, thank you for investing in my company. (laughs) Thank you for investing in my company. Um, And it can really be a helpful tool to to get that going. And then, like you said, I think it's that trust, knowing that you'll know when that moment comes. Like, you'll, it'll be a clear moment when you'll, you'll kind of come face to face with it and, and hear that that intuitive voice that says, it's time to go now. It's time to move on to the next level. So now take us a little bit through. So now you're at that next level, living it. Um, <laughs> living it. I love it. Buddha actually looks, for those of you that are watching this on YouTube, it almost looks like he's like hanging out on your shoulder. Yeah, kind of does. That's funny. So what is, how have you, now that you went from having a job to designing your own your own lifestyle, how did you design that in a way, you know, so that it really works? I think that's something, I think that's something that a lot of people don't take advantage of perhaps at first, where you, you kind of, it's, it's an interesting transition going from having to work on somebody else's time or hours or having set scheduled hours someplace to being able to really decide you know, okay, so I'm going to answer my emails from this time, and I'm going to go to the gym at this time, and I can schedule clients at this time. You know, um, how was that process for you, and where you are today with that? And it's been such a learning system. You know, like I, I was saying before that we we often get caught up in all the things we think we have to do that we like don't just trust in that first step. And when I first started, even my client intake. 
was very different than the way I intake a client today. Um, my client management system is very different than, you know, an Excel sheet that I started with, you know, so it's, I think now I don't really have, you know, every morning is when I start, I have my structure of like replying to emails, all that sort of thing. But I'm also pretty free flowing with it, you know. I'm sometimes I wake up and I'm literally like, "This is the best job ever," you know. Like I can do it at eleven at night when I'm really productive, or at seven in the morning, which I'm not quite as productive at that time. So I, I think it's just so important to not get attached to it having to look like anything because it, it sort of feels weird when I first was done my career or whatever, I don't even know how to say that, but when I was done that part of my life, to wake up in the morning and be like, I don't have to check a corporate email. Like, that was, it took about a month for me to be like, where's that iPad I hated? (laughs) I didn't have it anymore. You know, and it was, it was interesting. It's still been a constant shift because my life still doesn't look the same as it did three months ago. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, I love what you said about uh, 7 a.m. versus 11 p.m. because that was something that I had that experience. I'm similar, whereas I'm not as productive at 7 in the morning as I am at 11 o'clock at night. Um, And in the beginning, I think when I was doing it, I was kind of trying to enforce these rules on myself where I was like, no, 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 you should be doing X, Y, and Z in the morning and you should, you know, trying to to create that structure when I kind of realized that, hey, you created this so that you don't have to do that structure. Like, nobody is enforcing that structure. They're your own boss. Yeah. So I love that, really having, you know, taking advantage of it and not letting it be, um, you know, I think it can become overwhelming if you don't find the fun in it. And if you start to... um, One of the things I've definitely been working with a lot recently is realizing that I don't have to take everything so seriously. Like, a lot of what I do is fun, and just remembering that it's fun. Um, Yeah, knowing when you're in the zone when you're in your work is just like, you know, there's a lot of great science on flow states, on like getting into these states where an hour goes by and it feels like five minutes. And if your work can be that state of flow, man, you're so much more productive. I think one thing that I've definitely needed to continue to practice is to constantly be still creating content. You know, um, on my Instagram, I've had it, I don't even know now, a year and a half, and I post at least once a day. That's like my commitment. And I, you know, it can be, now there's Instagram scheduling apps, but before there weren't, you know, so that's definitely something I've never missed because my contract with the people that follow me and I interact with is that I provide content every day. And I, used, I had a coach that used to say to me that every day that you don't share what is truly and going on for you in your heart, you are letting someone who needs to hear your message down. Like, oh, I love that. It's a, it's such a cool way to start to see that you know, as a content creator or whatever you want to do, that's your dream or your passion. By not doing it, you're actually doing a disservice to the people who need you. And, 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 like, people can benefit from work of all kinds. You know, you could be creating great food, and that changed someone's life, really. You know, so I think it's such a thing to be really, if we're always, like, waiting to start, know that you're, like, you holding back is maybe holding someone back from, from an experience they need to have. I love that. I really love that. Every day that you don't share what's, like, really going on, you're... I, I think that's so important because I... I really think especially um, on the content creation side, this is something that I'll ask you about later because I also similarly share, we both, uh, me and Mark both, tend to give what I like to call Insta-blogs where it's an Insta post, but it's also a little, you know, little blog. Breaks the rules of Instagram. And yeah, we're breaking breaking the rules and still winning at life. And... um, But anyway, I'll get into that in a minute. But I think that's so important because I think, uh, for me, I know there definitely are some days where I'm not feeling as inspired to to post or to share. And I think it is important. I try to remind myself of this to, um, you know, so much of social media is sharing the highlight reel of our life. And I try to make a conscious effort to share the high 
and the low light reel of my life. And that, you know, even if maybe that day we don't have some, you know, really, I don't know, like what we think, what we've deemed powerful enough to say that day. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes just sharing that, hey, you know, today I was feeling really tired and I, you know, I chose to be kind to myself. I chose to be kind to myself. I chose to, you know, instead of, you know, catching up on some emails that I may have had in the line, I decided that I needed to take a bath and just be, have some time alone with myself. And I think what we can kind of deem is like, well, that was kind of like, I just had like a a not so eventful day is actually important for some other people that are going through that same sort of situation um, to hear and to actually be like, okay, it's, you know, I can, I can honor that. You know, I like posted something actually last night, just just like a little thing about like, I love you because I was actually working with it. I was like, I love you. And, you know, even if though you didn't accomplish everything you had to get done today, I still love you and it's all okay. And so many people resonated with it because how many people go to bed at night, you know, thinking about all the things they for- they didn't get to. You know, yeah, and looking at all the great things that they did, or even honoring that sometimes being the best version of ourselves is respecting the space we need, or the rest we need, or just that we don't need to stress about something. Yeah. yeah. So what I wanted to ask you is, with content creation, um, and this is, you know, it's a personal question, but because it's a personal question, I really feel that there, I'm sure there's other people out there that have this issue. Um, how do you feel about, because you're constantly create like, almost posting mini blogs on Instagram or social media every day. How does that relate to the content you create for your actual blog? Huh. You know what, I think... I- my usually like my blog like if I write an article if from my actual website they're usually anywhere from probably like 750 to sometimes even 2,000 words so they're usually a lot more verbose than you know I think on Instagram I get to like maybe 200 words sometimes which is which is really long for Instagram yeah um and you know I I find that there's no real shortage of content you know there's I, when I post on Instagram, it's like I read a quote or write one and then just write what resonates for me about it. And often it's something that's going on in my life. So I'm always writing from the space of like what's happening for me or what I'm experiencing. Um, it, does, it doesn't take away from my articles because my articles are more like, you know, they're subjects that tend to need much more dialogue although I would say in my Instagram posts sometimes there might be many parts of them that end up showing up the ideas show up in my articles um, do you have the same sort of commitment to a schedule like you do on Instagram uh, you know so when I first left my job in March 31st was the last day I had of my old job um, I was probably publishing like once every two or three weeks um, once every couple weeks and then when I was sort of on a newfound sabbatical travel, I got a little lazy, so I didn't publish for about six weeks. But now I've made a commitment to publishing eight weeks in a row. So, you know, it's I didn't have the same level of commitment because for me to write an article takes a lot longer. Um, but it's some of my favorite stuff to do because you can go into deeper subjects and it creates a lot more conversation. Um, the potential reach is a lot higher than, you know, my reach on Instagram because sometimes, you know, articles get shared so much that you can create some pretty controversial content, which I like. Yeah. And I think that's good. I mean, I asked that question just because I'm sure there are people that are starting out and thinking about all this stuff. And I think overall, what we kind of both can probably agree on is that it's, it's all a learning process. And yeah, you figure totally out is. what works for you. I went through a phase where, because I was writing my memoir, I made all of my my blog posts were video posts because I didn't want to, um, you know, there's only so much writing to go around. I just, like, I had, like, so much writing during the day that I, it felt better to, like, actually talk to a video for my blog post. But then um, a couple weeks ago, just because I was inspired to um, by a trip I had taken with my family to Salem, I just sat down and I wrote the one of the first blog posts I had written in, in quite a few months. And um, and I was like, wow, I forgot how good this feels. <laughs> like, there's a reason that I do this writing thing. Um, 
so yeah, but I think it is definitely about, like you said, just finding your stride and finding the commitments that work for you at different different places when you're at what your schedule is like. Yeah, some of the best advice that I ever received on like beginning was from um, George Carlin's daughter. You know George Car- Carlin, the really yeah. offensive comedian. Yeah. His daughter Kelly. I was talking to her, and I remember she said to me. Um, I said, how did you find your voice? Like, how did you decide, you know, what was it, your theme or whatever? And she's like, you know what? I found it from using it. She's like, and so just the constant talking about things, it just came about. And, and I think that just, that was, I needed to hear that in the moment that I heard it. Cause then it was like, oh, you just, you just start and you just allow things to shift and, you know, we get so caught up in all the details of how things have to work out that we just never start. So we're always talking about it, but then we never do it. And, you know, I bought a domain name nine and a half years earlier than when I started. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just as guilty as all of that. I love that. I love yeah, that. It was, it was such an important thing to hear. And, you know, when whenever we're taking leaps, we, we always think about all the things we're going to lose. You know, we think about all the things that we might miss or all the things that might happen. But you, we don't think about, like, all the things we can gain. We don't think about all the dreams that can come true and that maybe in, you know, a month you'll be speaking on a stage at a conference or whatever. You just don't see it. Yeah. But I think also what you said even before is I think even even more important that just by sharing, you're you're helping someone. Even if you have... 25 followers on social media um, by you just owning your voice. And I always say when I coach people through trying to, you know, find their, find their voice, quote unquote, or like unveil their voice is more appropriate, um, is to just start sharing your stories. You know, it's our stories that are part of our authentic truth, right? They're how we can teach from. And we just start sharing, like, sharing the stories of what you're going through that day. And, and like you said, just get, like, get, just get practice at it. Just keep doing it. Um, and trusting that, you know, I think you'll be surprised. I think everybody, you probably went through this, too. You go through this place and it it happens I think far sooner than anybody ever expects it happens way before you have a big social media following way before you even like have anything any google analytics worthy of sharing with anyone where (laughs) you'll have someone email you that will just be like oh my god I read this thing you wrote or I read this thing you posted and I just want you to know that like it made the biggest difference in my day and and it and I think that's at the end of the day that's what we all really do it for you know, that's, that's what matters so much. And it doesn't matter where you're at. You can have that impact right now on someone's day. Um, yeah, I agree. To be able to just impact, like, I remember when I first started Instagram, I thought, this type of post will get, you know, this much engagement, blah, 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 blah. You know, but then it would stop me from sharing other stuff that resonated more. So then I changed my intention of every post to be to affect one life. That was it. Yes, I love that. I love that because it's all about being you. I totally relate to that because I think, you know, we live in a world where it's hard to not be conscious of that sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, we know like the, like what I like to call like kind of like the silly superficial post that will get a ton of likes. And, but then we also know like what, you know, like I remember for the longest time now you'll see I post lots of pictures sometimes of like places that I go to that I just think are beautiful like that's something about me that like I love going to an adorable cafe and I will just sit there and drink my coffee or my my tea and just like bask in how cute it is like and so I'm like you know what I know this is gonna get less likes than like anything else I post I don't care because it's me, you know, and sharing that joy and sharing something that lights me up is that's important. And the people and I think those are the posts when we when we keep that in mind, when we keep focusing on, you know, what lights you up or brings you joy is also going to spread joy to other people. You know, totally. it's also going to resonate remind someone to go to a cafe that day or they're like, hey, I want to experience that. And, you know, I think when they come from that authentic place. You know, because I remember when I first started, it still happens all the time, though, is there's always this fear, like, will someone want to hear what I have to say? Do I have, you know, the credibility or the whatever? And I've learned and I always remind myself of that 
when you talk about things that are real for you, when you talk about the things that you don't do well or your imperfections, that's what people identify with. They identify with the humanness in other people. They don't identify with the, you know, the like perfect life on Instagram, although maybe some people do. I think there's more of that like deep authentic connection is like seeing someone who, like you were saying before, posting that maybe your day just wasn't as effective as you thought it was going to be or that you wanted to step out to a cafe or, or whatever. I just think that's such an important part that gives the character to um, your brand too. Yeah. You know, for people to be like, well, I follow this one because they talk about everything in life, not just all the perfect puppy dogs and ice cream, you know, which you see a lot on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that brings us to actually um, the other portion of this interview that I definitely, I can't, you know, I feel like it'd be a mess to not pick your brain on relationships a little bit while I have you here. But I think you mentioned this briefly earlier with your um, ex fiance, how you realize that. You know, you perhaps were, or maybe, yeah, I think you did, where you realized you weren't perhaps showing up for her the way you were able to show up in other areas of your lives. And I think that's something that, you know, I certainly can relate to, where, um, you know, where it's definitely being, I'll just speak from my own experience, but um, I know for me, where being vulnerable to a client to help you know, to help them, you know, learn certain something or whatnot, or being vulnerable even on the blog or on Instagram, you know, is so natural to me at this point. Um, and then you're in front of a, a date or a romantic partner, or sometimes perhaps it's, you know, for different people, it could be a friend or a family member or whatever it is, like a, a real live person. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden that, you know, shifts or perhaps there is there's not that same kind of continuity that you have in every single area with how you show up for it and I think it's really I mean obviously it's important in both and it's it's can you just speak to a little bit and how you kind of like realize that and you know perhaps how how you brought awareness to that these days um yeah so speaking to how I sort of became, I guess, more emotionally aware or more um, balanced in all the areas. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I knew that I wasn't, you know, like when I look back at the experience, there's always, you know, hindsight gives me much more insight. Um, I just knew that something was off. And, you know, when I started to look at why I was doing what I was doing, that started to offer a lot of insight into who I was being and why I was being that way. You know, I, I think what's really fascinating about relationships is there's so many unconscious drives. You know, there's so many things that we do because of our childhood experience. There's so many things that we do because we were hurt, you know, in, in an adult relationship. And we don't realize that we then start to make choices that are driven by these subconscious fears. And, you know, I don't think it's always necessary that we understand every detail of our subconscious fears. I think it's, you know, you can simply put it as, you know, do you cheer, choose based on fear or love? And, and people can easily make that shift, too. Um, I think for me, the outcome change was that I was so attached to um, relationships needing to work out. Like I was so attached to the relationship having to stay together because if that relationship ended or any relationship, I suppose, is probably the belief system culturally and in our society, um, if the relationships end, we're a failure. And I think that that is such a dangerous message to send to people because if that is true, then all of us are failures. And, you know, I think there's such a beautiful experience when someone can step away from a relationship that's no longer serving them and know that that doesn't have to mean that you're a failure, that in a lot of ways you're actually quite a success. Um, and so I changed my outcome from having to be relationships have to work out and I have to get married and have kids and do all this or else I'm defunct. I changed it to am I being the best possible version of me? Am I showing up as the best possible man I can be? And so the sort of um, big shift for me, you know, there's that Maya Angelou quote that's um, do the best you can and then once you know better, be better. I yeah. think something like that. Yeah. I identified so much with that because I knew better, but I wasn't being better. 
And so my integrity lied in was I being my authentic self and was I showing up with the best possible skill set I could and, and sharing everything that was actually true for me. Um, and that, just the commitment to that, which has been hard, um, challenging at times, uh, but I sleep so well at night because I know that I'm doing that. Yeah. So that was a big shift for me. I don't know if that answered the question or if I totally talked but, about something. <laughs> no, uh, I think that's, I think that is, is really powerful and kind of rewriting that. But I want to kind of tap into one of the things you mentioned because I actually, I've had a couple of clients, um, asked me about this recently and you you touched on it and I know the answer that I gave but I'm really curious to hear what you have to say about it um you know when someone is kind of at that point where they've realized that a relationship isn't aligning with their highest good anymore it's just not aligning with them anymore um what would you tell someone that was still feeling was still feeling scared or nervous to to um hurt the other person when they are kind of taking a stand for for what they know is best for them you know, it's, I think each situation is definitely complex and a little different. Um, I think first it's important to understand, are we stepping away from, because, you know, you're going to have relationships that <clears throat> have abuse and, and things like that. And, of course, um, people don't want to stay in those. You know, they shouldn't want to. And I think the the real important part is to understand why are we choosing the relationship? Is this something that we truly do want to work through? You know, I think that's important. Like, are we okay with walking away? And if we are, like, whatever reason that is that we're walking away, is that okay with us? I think that relationships are challenging. You know, a lot of times they're very challenging and they bring up our stuff. You know, there's a brilliant researcher named Harville Hendricks who says that the purpose of adult relationship is to heal our childhood wounds. And that's why I think it becomes important for us to understand are we avoiding work because of our childhood wounds or because of things we're afraid of? Or is this actually just truly something in our heart that, that we just don't want to be in anymore? Um, I think the, the part where you were saying by not, you know, they're afraid to hurt somebody else, that becomes a very externally focused, you know, if we're going to be living our lives always in fear of um, living our truth, how it's going to affect other people. Look, when you step into any form of growth or dream, you're going to make people uncomfortable. And that's because not that many people are living their passions and their deepest level of relationship, too, because that requires effort. And so when you start to step into those spaces, you remind people of the things they're not doing. You know, I, I think one perpetually dangerous message we send in relationship is that they're hard work. And I think when we say that, work has a, a negative connotation. But if you say relationships require effort, that changes the way it feels. And, you know, you hear people say love dies. You know, relationships, passion doesn't last. You know, you hear that all the time, that in a long relationship, it just makes sense that things are going to fade. That's true for some relationships, but it's not true for all relationships. Um, but getting back to the original question, because I can be verbose, um, <laughs> I think that what's important is that you're always honoring what's true for you. And I think often what we end up doing is doing research to figure out if it's anything but what we know. And I think that that's the important thing to come back to is like truly in your heart, what do you want to do? And if you're choosing to stay because you're afraid to hurt someone, that's hurting them. Yeah. And I think going back to... Um well, I'd be interested to hear your take on this. What going back to you when you're in that space, um, back, back, back in the day when you're googling, is she the one? There was no Google then. There was no Google. It was pre-Google. What did yeah. you even do before Google? Right? We had to like go to the library and like look up relationship sections. <laughs> Microfeature. <laughs> um, what? What would you say to someone that said the fact that you're even questioning it is probably a big hint? Or do you think that the questioning part is a natural part of the experience? Um, I don't think it's often a natural part of the experience. I think that when, because, you know, when we enter into marriage relationship, our identity shifts in a way from independent to, to just a different identity of being in a relationship. Same thing happens when we have kids. Um, I think it's something to be mindful of for sure, you know, like I could tell if I asked someone, you know, 
like, oh, are you excited about your engagement or something? And they're like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, I am. But there's so much small print in there. So I don't think if we start to get really questioned, you know, if we have a feeling that's like, oh, something doesn't feel right, I don't want people to think it always means you have to leave. It just means you have to figure out what's causing that feeling. Mm. It just means it's something worth exploring. Because what you feel is off, it's easy to just go, well, then I'm out. Right? Like, this is too scary. But it could just be something coming up for you about the relationship that doesn't feel right. Maybe whatever the agreement is, if we're talking about marriage, whatever the agreement is of what marriage looks like for the other person could be very different than what it looks like for them. And that just isn't discussed yet. You know, it could be someone that's afraid that they're going to, five years down the road, not be able to golf anymore. <laughs> you know, they've come up with this story in their mind that they're losing all their independence. You know, it could be something so simple, which, I mean... Simple is probably the wrong word for that, but it could be something that's not as complex. Um, I think it's just important to investigate it. That's when it's good to talk to someone. Yeah, and to be able to clear it up, a lot of that could be cleared up through communication with your partner. Totally. I think a lot of the times we don't say to our partners, you know, like, what's going on for you? How are you feeling? You know, I loved... uh, I got this out of a a book that I read where every Sunday the couple would have a glass of wine and they would chat and this was their ritual. They would say like this week, like on a scale of one to 10, what sort of wife was I? And what I love about this, and I think every couple should put this in their system somehow, is that it sets a stage for feedback in the relationship that we're actually inviting it so then it doesn't feel so much as criticism that the actual like environment of the relationship is created on this like tell me how to be a better husband or a better wife and so the follow-up question you know in the book the joke was the guy was like oh well you were a six and the wife was like well what would make me a 10 and so he's able to experience you know express what would make her a 10 and I think that's such a beautiful way to exist in a relationship because, you know, it's already hard enough to manage one human being. You know, one of us is already a mess. But yeah. to manage two and have us align our whole lives is does require effort and it requires communication. And um, it requires being open to hearing that sometimes we're not being the best partner and that maybe we could invite a shift in our behavior to help meet their needs better. Yeah. And I think I think that's so important. I've also actually heard from a few couples that I admire that I don't think they have weekly gatherings, but I think they have like a monthly date or something like that where they, you know, they make dinner together at home and they sit down and they just kind of check in with each other and say, okay, like, how, like, how's everything going with you, you know, on in that relationship context of how can, you know, we support each other better. Um, and I think that's so important, but, you know, just talking from, I guess, just personal experience, it's like, it's one thing, like, Mark, I could say, like, if I was dating you, that would be a question that I would not hesitate to, to ask, to be like, Uh hey, hey, Mark, like, can we schedule dates where we can talk about how we're being with each other? But I venture to say that, at least in my experience, I work with a lot of women, And I feel like a lot of women are really open to these and really ready to ask these questions. And then sometimes they get um, met with a little resistance from their partners or or don't even necessarily feel comfortable enough to ask their partners because it's not sort of the same mindset. (laughs) And what would you say to say to that or or I don't know. Yeah. Do you have do you have any of that experience with the people that you work with where one partner is a little bit more open than the other one? Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely think it tends to be, you know, females are more open to communicating about emotion and and um, are almost socialized in a way for that to be a baseline characteristic. And I think, although it's shifting, I don't think men are necessarily socialized to communicate from more of an emotional space. And I think that you know, naturally a male's communication style is, is more intellectual. Like, you know, thing, even emotions become sort of intellectually communicated. Um, I think one thing you often see is that, um, and I'm just generalizing here for the sake of simplicity, that uh, men tend to not always want to talk about something emotional in the actual moment. They might say, like, hey, just give me a little bit of time to talk to think about this. And... 
you know, I, I think we're always constantly creating the type of relationship we want. That's why I called my account Create the Love, because it's really like we can create and shift our relationships. And um, I think that the baseline agreements of our relationship become very important. That's why if we start to date someone, it's important that we don't stay in a relationship with someone who isn't capable of showing up at the emotional level that we want provided we've invited them to. So that could be like, hey, are you open to going to this workshop? Are you open to having this conversation? Are you open to reading this article or this book? And I think a lot of people will be. You, know, you were saying that you know some women are afraid to even broach that subject because they don't know how it will be received. But I know so many men who are open to that subject and receiving that information. Um, but getting back to the idea that if, you know, someone wants to bring up something emotionally and the man is saying, hey, like, you know, I just give me some time to think about it. I think one thing that's really important is that in this situation, the woman would be honoring that space that the man needs and he's asked for. And then I think part of that agreement then becomes that the man is the person that brings back the subject up and brings it back, you know, to mm-hmm. converse and come to completion mm-hmm. on it. I think that that's something that you see in both genders, but just in that example, I think that it's really important that we honor that everybody has a little bit of a different communication style, and it's not only about men trying to understand how women work on a deep emotional level, it's also women trying to understand that when a man responds from an intellectual space, he still feels like he's connecting with you, but you might not feel like you're being connected to. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. That, no, that makes a lot of sense, and I love what you brought up also about, like, the books and articles and stuff like that. I know that, I think, in my previous experience with um, men that I've dated, where they maybe weren't on necessarily the same communication level about certain things that I was, that sending them some articles that I thought were really interesting around the subject, even especially to begin with, ones that might not necessarily have anything to specifically do with a situation that happened, but to just kind of get that conversation going within our relationship, just about the different dynamics and stuff, so that you can kind of open that door. And 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 also, I think you're right, and I definitely think um, one of my yoga teachers always says that is that like don't underestimate people, you know, because I when I first started uh, teaching meditation, I'd always worry that some of my meditations were just going over people's head or they were too weird for people or they were too out there or whatnot. <laughs> and he just told me, he was like, you know, Cassandra, people are going to surprise you. Let people surprise you. And if it goes over their head, it goes over their head. But he's like, more often than not, I'll find, you know, you'll find that people really will, will rise to it. Um, so I think that's probably definitely true with relationships as well. Uh, yeah, I think they're... You know, there's, there is often the belief that, again, gender, <laughs> generalizing here, there's often the belief that men can't or don't necessarily have the tools. But, I, you know, if that's the belief system, then we won't try to engage in those conversations. You know, and I think it's, you, like you were just saying, people will surprise you. I've always loved it. If you, I always love the concept that if you spoke to someone as if they had the tools to manage what you have to say, you would probably speak to them differently. You know, and when we decide to withhold information or withhold something that's going on for us, we're actually doing our partners a disservice because by withholding that, we're not teaching them how to love us. And, you know, that's such an important thing. And I believe that we often enter relationship with assumptions of what relationship means for the other person. But we all have different versions of what relationships mean to us. And we all have different intentions of why we enter relationship. Often they're similar, but not always. And so I think all these things are really important that what one person wants out of a relationship could be very different than another person. Some people don't want deep emotional conversations, right? Like that's just not something they want. And that's okay. But that's not the relationship for someone who wants deep emotional conversations. And instead of trying to shift people and change them, we can invite them to. But if that's just not how they want to show up and exist, that's totally okay. And I think we just need to honor that what our experience is can be very different than someone else's. And we shouldn't always try to change people to become us. That we should see, is this something we can compromise and exist in? And if we can't, we're not getting what we need. Then we can always exit it and enter another relationship with someone more aligned with us. And those experiences just teach us more of what we want. Yeah. I think that's great. And when do you... 
when do you have that kind of conversation? Because I think that's, you know, I don't, I'll speak from experience a lot of what I've learned from Mark. Um, is, uh, is, <laughs> that's good advice. <laughs> right? Mark's going to be like, actually, you didn't learn that from me. You read that someplace else. <laughs> um, it's just to, no, but I think it's just to communicate more. It's just to be more open and to be more honest about what my needs are um, and how they can be met and to just kind of see, to get on that level with someone. And that's, I think, you know, it's it's a very logical thing that you're talking about, but I I do think that there are tons of people out there that enter a relationship without having that conversation, without yeah, having that, have, you know, yeah. it's like such a mistake that we make to not talk about what we truly want. And, you know, I think it's pretty quick to find out, like, if someone wants what you want, it'll be pretty evident because they'll stay. Yeah. You know, they'll, <laughs> they'll, be, they'll keep reaching out to you. They'll, they won't ghost you, as they say, or flake. I, I always thought it was called flaking. But, they won't ghost you. Yeah, you know, when people want what we want, it becomes pretty evident. You know, it's like I, I had this, I wrote about this recently, an article on it, about how when do we have the talk about our relationship status. And, you know, you have that talk when you feel like you need to have that talk. You know, it's so important as humans that we have an environment that feels safe to love in. And if part of feeling safe is being in an exclusive relationship with the other person, you know, is being like, hey, I just want to know that I'm doing what you're doing. I don't want to date other people. I want to date just you. Do you want to date just me? And we get so afraid of what that means that we don't have the conversation. But if they want to date other people, that's not what we want. It's like such beautiful information to figure out so we can go find someone who wants to be exclusive or wants whatever that definition of relationship is. I love that. And and kind of going off that, I have a few um, final questions for you. But a lot of these have come up just from things that women have asked me personally. Um, and one of the topics had been that rejection or that perce- uh, what I would like to say is perceived rejection. Um, yeah. When, you know, when we go on a date with someone and we think we had a great time and then they ghost, as you would say, <laughs> you know, how like how would you what would you say to someone that was, you know, that, you know, maybe is your client and was like, Mark, I was so excited about going on the date with this so-and-so. I thought we had a great time. And then I never heard from him again, you know, and they're kind of in that space where sometimes we let ourselves go, where we, we just feel that we were rejected. Mm -hmm. I think (laughs) rejection is tough. You know, it's like no one can say, well, just change the way you think about that and you'll be fine. Like get over it. Um, and it's not that simple because, you know, rejection, you know, just even from an evolutionary state is like one of the worst feelings we can experience because it meant we died. You know, it meant we got left behind by the drive and we couldn't survive. So we're sort of hardwired to really painfully experience rejection. Um, so I think the first part is honoring that you feel that way. Like sometimes shit happens and it sucks. Yeah. And I think, you know, people want to understand why other people do things that's an endless road you know that's like down the rabbit hole of understanding physics you know it's just we just need to understand that sometimes people just aren't good people that is actually a fact and i i learned a long time ago that i'm not for everybody and everybody's not for me i learned that i'm not gonna like everyone i go on dates with and not everyone's gonna like me when they go on a date i mean that sucks to hear but you know it's true and There's such a beautiful part to that when we start to shift the perspective there. And that part is that, one is, is that it's rare to find really deep, great mutual connection. And it's rare for a reason, because it's special. So we wouldn't even recognize it if it wasn't special. So I think we have to always come back to that. Um, I wrote about this not long ago, that when we start to see rejection as just the universe's way of, of not allowing us to experience mediocrity... Oh. And it changes everything. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it shifts everything. And, and, and now I know it's easy to go back to, I've been rejected. This is an experience. It, we just have to keep correcting ourselves and going, oh, this is just a door closing so another can open. Because if we believe, like, for, when we experience rejection, it could be that um, the other person just doesn't want to be in a relationship with what we want. That's great. That means someone else is going to enter our life who does want what we want. And we don't see, like, existing in a relationship with someone who doesn't want what we want is shitty. 
it sucks. And yep. that is your life in mediocrity. You're not going to experience great human connection. You're not going to thrive. You're always going to be wondering where you fit. This bullshit is annoying. <laughs> Don't do it. The other thing is that we also see that by not being in that experience, we're not allowing ourselves to be mediocre. Because if we're capable of great love, deep connection, great things, we're not going to find it in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to be in one with us. And so when we can get to that space to be like, wow, thanks, universe, close the door, open another one, wicked, swipe right on Tinder again. Like, ah, there's plenty of fish in the sea. There's, what, like 8 billion people on this planet? Like, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Don't get so caught up in the ones that don't want to be caught. I, I love that. And another question that I've gotten a few times from different people, I did an intuition workshop, and this one came up a few. And, of course, I responded to it, but I'm really curious. To, I think we'll probably have the same answer to it. But a lot of people um, will say that, because we were talking about intuition, and they're like, well, I have trust issues with my intuition now because I met this guy, and my intuition told me that he was the one. And then all of a sudden, like, we brought, like, not all of a sudden, but like a year or two later, whatever, we broke up. Turns out he's not the one, it looks like. Um, and now I can't trust my intuition to know that someone else is the one. What do you say to that? Um, a lot of the times in situations like that, I would like to say that the intuition was actually off from the start. So if you ask enough questions, usually you get some red flags that they sort of let go and whatever. Um, but to, to give a more general answer, um, I think that a lot of the times we don't see that our experiences and our conditionings and what happens in our life actually laser lines our intuition a little more. Like it's almost like we can learn to trust it. We can learn to feel what it means to actually be in alignment with our intuition. Um, I think that every situation like this one with this, this person that you're talking about, um, they can look back and just look for where little things were off. You know, I like to look back at my relationship experiences and go, okay, when was there that, like, huh, that, like, feeling? And when did I take a left when I should have taken a right? Mm, That's yeah. how I look back as I really go, okay, here, like, the path to even forgiveness is taking away the weight of experience, is taking away the pain from relationship experiences. And the only way we can do that is by making the experience become a learning opportunity because then we take our pains and turn them into power. You know, we take them and we turn them into these strengths. And, you know, often we get so stuck in the pain part that we don't move into the strength. We never get to let situations go. Um, so, I mean, for someone like that, I would say your intuition was probably bang on. You just didn't know how to hear it yet. And you were just learning more of what not right feels like so you could learn more of what right feels like. Because there will always be a part of us that goes, hmm, you know, like there's like a little thing that we just didn't know. And I think part of my evolution of my own experience is that I've just started to learn what more feelings mean. I've just started to learn how to put more words to more emotion. I've just learned that sometimes I say something and I'm wrong about what my feeling I thought it was. And I am in the space where I can go, actually, I didn't mean that. I meant this. And I think intuition's a really interesting thing, too, because without... 95% of our serotonin is actually in our stomachs, you know, in our guts. And so, you know, that concept of the gut brain, I mean, I, for one, my gut is like my, my steering device, and I know when something's off. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I think that's absolutely right. I think part of it is like, yeah, it's a, you know, honing your intuition is a learning experience for sure. And what I personally like to say is that it's not necessarily that your intuition was wrong, but for all you know, you know, sometimes, like, you could be getting a green light, and you you can interpret that in a bajillion different ways, and maybe that green light just means, like, right now, this is the optimal learning totally. experience for you, but this is not, like, married kids, you're going to be 70 together it's learning. that one. Yeah. It was the one of the time, and, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, that's, I actually, I remember thinking that, that it's, like, the... We believe that there is the one, but, you know, I believe that we have all our relationship experiences, our teachers, all of our relationship experiences, in a way, are soulmates. Yeah. You know, because they allow the evolution of our soul. So, you know, if we look at it that way, then we go, yeah, it wasn't the one, but what did you waste two years? No, you're going to know who the one is because that one wasn't. 
you know, if you didn't experience that guy or girl, you wouldn't know what, what you want more of, you yeah. know, and it's like, what a gift that is. Yeah, I agree completely. All right. Well, we're we're pretty much done. Thank you for an amazing interview. If you want to le- having me, that was a lot of fun. Thank you. Do you want to leave us with um, just any final words? Uh, whether it's, I'll let you choose if you want it to be on relationships or on following uh, the path that you love. Oh my god! This I totally just put you on the spot. <laughs> Or perhaps maybe just maybe just your most recent breakthrough you've had. Um, gosh, so many questions. I'm so sorry. Imaginary time. Um, I I think that for me, my like experiences have been like I was saying before at the start that I've really just started to become more of who I've always been, and it was sort of like I think it's such an important thing as humans, like part of our first part of, you know, waking up or evolution or whatever the term is, is understanding who we are, understanding who we are, our core, you know, the question you said before, like, if you could do any job and not get paid, what would you do? And I think we all have a natural answer to that. I think that, you know, we all are constantly seeking answers, but truthfully, I I do believe that they're always within us, you know, they're always, it's, it's just so important that we allow our authentic selves out because I think that at the core of all of our relationship um, successes and failures is really our inability to share all of us, to like let go of the things we think we have to be to become who we are. And um, I mean, my greatest, I guess, awareness shifts have been just letting go of who I thought I had to be to be loved and Ah. just like becoming who I am. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate your Thanks time so me. much. You're fabulous. Thank you. You too. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. And I will include links below to all of Mark's good, good information so you can find his inspirational blurbs all over Instagram every day, um, as well as his articles and lots more from Mark. Um, and thank you guys for tuning in. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>